Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Hello, my friend, and welcome. A big ol' welcome. My arms are outstretched almost as if I could hug you, but welcome to episode 48 of the Yours Truly podcast. My name is Claire. I'm the host, the dietitian, the one-woman show behind Yours Truly Nutrition and also the Yours Truly podcast. So guys, I, I got to tell you, there was a spider on my wall that I had eyes on before I hit the record button and I was like, okay, Claire, I'm just going to run and get a tissue and, you know, take the little spider outside. I'm not a fan of killing spiders, even though I'm not a fan of them, but I was going to take them outside. And then I turned my back to do one thing to set up this microphone and I turned around and the spider was gone. So I'm really, really hoping I've kind of been seeing this little guy a couple of days on and off. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where hit, where his humble spider abode is, but I'm hoping he he stays put and he doesn't come out while I'm trying to record this podcast. So fair warning, if you hear me scream, if it sounds like a teenage girl has taken over the mic, it is because said spider has come back. So that being said, now that I've invited you into my little recording space, my in real life of what is going on, thanks for tuning in to episode 48 of the podcast. And we are going to go ahead and jump right in with our first segment of the podcast. You guys know if you've been here for 48 episodes and counting, we always have to start by featuring the Yours Truly Goal Slayer Facebook post of the week. So if you are new to the community, if you're hanging out with us here for the first time, well, I'm so happy. Welcome. I'm truly glad you're here. And the Yours Truly Goal Slayers is a private Facebook community that I run, that I hold space for anyone and everyone who is on an intuitive eating journey and not only wants more information and tips, but also wants the much necessary and needed support, accountability, and guidance that we all need on this journey because it's a tough one and there's no way to perfectly do it. We're always going to be learning and furthering our own journeys, but nobody wants to go at it alone. So this is a community of like-minded people who are doing just that. So I want to feature a post today from one of my one-on-one clients who I have had the pleasure of working with for going on six months now. And this is a takeaway that she had from our call last week, I believe it was. She posted it on June 14th, so it was around that date. And she writes... It has been a while since I've checked in, but I'm still working with Claire. It has almost been six months. Intuitive is a very fitting word for it because I haven't made remarkable changes to what I eat, but how I eat and why I eat has changed significantly. I am not looking for approval for what I eat anymore. I'm not afraid to eat what I want, be it strawberries or donuts. I can trust myself to eat to meet my needs, and all food can serve a purpose in different ways. 
Now that a lot of the emotional turmoil has been worked through, and I'm still uncovering some deeply ingrained thoughts, of course, but now I can focus on what my body needs to do what I want it to do. Now that I know I can eat what I want and when I want, and my body will naturally choose things that are filling and fueling, I am focusing on the nitty gritty details of nutrition. Now this is not out of desperation or needing someone to tell me how to eat, but rather out of the knowledge that I am that the more that I learn, the easier this will be and I am already enough as I am right now. Protein was the big focus of last week's call because I was neglecting it, which is especially impactful because not only is it essential for everyone, but I am also training for a half marathon and I do physical labor for my work. This week is on how to sleep enough, a secondary food, if you will, but absolutely necessary to a healthy and a functioning life. Okay, so maybe those aren't super nitty-gritty details of nutrition yet, but we're getting there, and I have a lot of questions about food. So I want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to this Goal Slayer who posted her reflection from our almost six-month coaching takeaway, which is a big landmark for anyone in my coaching program, but what she talks about here is really fitting of how an intuitive eating journey progresses. Something that I have talked about on my social media and on the podcast is what I do not do when I first work with a client is talk about nutrition and food right out of the gate. Of course, we're talking about the relationship to food and how we approach food and maybe some of the deeply ingrained diet rules that we have, but we are not coming right out of the gate talking about the specific details of nutrition, how food works in our body or anything like that. It's not because it is not important, but if we started this intuitive eating journey, or if we restarted rather, because we were all born intuitive eaters, but if we started right out of the gate talking about the nitty gritty details of nutrition, as she calls it in our post, then this journey, the intuitive eating journey, or the coaching journey especially, would be no different from any other nutrition journey, which isn't the case at all. And a lot of the times what we find is if we are coming, back to the intuitive eating way of doing things from a very rigid or a diet mentality, we really often can approach this way of eating with a lot of rules. We come into it thinking there is a good and a bad way to do things, a right and a wrong. And sometimes we have to do a little bit of unworking of that mentality, a lot of unlayering of all of those rules that diet culture has taught so that we can relearn our body, so that we can relearn our cues, and so that eventually we can relearn the science of nutrition, but we can do it in a way where we are not using it as a double-edged sword against ourselves. So at this six-month mark, and again, everyone is so different in this journey. No one client who I have ever worked with has ever been the same, but around the four to six-month mark is where we do start saying, okay, we have made significant progression in overcoming negativity in our relationship towards food and unwriting a lot of those diet rules. And just like as she says, she doesn't need approval for what she eats anymore. She trusts in the divine wisdom of her body that she will get what she needs if she is able to listen and it doesn't have a lot of this moralizing or negative conversation about food anymore. And since she is at that place where we are in a neutral 
or positive place with food, we can start relearning about nutrition, or as we call it in intuitive eating, the gentle nutrition side of things, so that we not only understand how our own body works, but we also kind of gain a level of understanding about how certain foods work in the body, how they break down, and maybe why we end up feeling certain ways after we eat certain foods, or why it may be important to combine certain foods in a way that feels fitting to us Physically, mentally, emotionally, culturally, all of these things, there is a science of nutrition that we talk about with intuitive eating, but point of this conversation is we don't start out there. The relationship that you have to food always comes first. Then once we get that to a more happy and positive place, then we start talking about nutrition because gentle nutrition is the type of nutrition that informs, that helps to guide you, but it never restricts you or gives you the tools or the ammo, if you will, to use nutrition against yourself to make you feel worse or more negative in your relationship with food than you already do. So if you have ever been wondering, okay, intuitive eating, it sounds great. I'm wrapping my head around some of the principles, but do we ever learn about nutrition? The answer is yes, but it comes a little bit later, and that is for a very specific reason and a purpose. So once again, thank you so much to this goal slayer who shared her takeaway and who is super excited to get some of those questions about food answered now that she has a more positive relationship. And I truly and honestly believe that anyone and everyone is capable of getting to this place that she is now. So if you are listening to me speak about the goal slayers, about this post in general, and you think, oh my goodness, I could get so much benefit and value from being around a community of like-minded people who want to have conversations like this, who are learning about their own intuitive eating journey, then this is your open invitation to come join us in the Yours Truly Goal Slaying Facebook community. So I have actually, and this is super exciting, but I have been getting a fair amount of requests to join the group and additions to the group from talking about it here on the podcast. So I'm so happy that this message is reaching you wherever you are. But if you are sitting there, driving in your car, taking a walk down the street, relaxing on the couch, wherever you are listening to this podcast week in and week out, and you still haven't reached out to join our goal setting community, I highly recommend that you do. What could go wrong? You're only going to get benefit and value out of this. So if you're interested in joining, there are two ways that you can go about coming into our community. The first way is if you are connected with me on Instagram at Claire Tuning, give me a follow, check out the fun content there. We have super fun themes to our stories every single day, but you can find a link in my Instagram bio. It is called join the free Facebook community. All you have to do is tap that link and it will take you to the brief application that you need to fill out so that I can get to know more about you and you can get to learn about the community. The other way that you can access this application is if you go on Facebook and you simply type in the Yours Truly Goal Slayers, I will get a notification that you have requested to join. Well, you have to request to join first. That would be a specific and an important detail for me to include. But once you request to join the community, I will get a notification and I can message you. I can say, hey, thanks so much for your interest. Here is the application. And once you fill that out, I will be in contact with you for next steps to join. So I really hope to see you there. 
And now, da 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 fancy transition music, as we always have here on the podcast, we are doing a 180 of conversation to talk about the main topic of today's episode, which is the how-to of grocery shopping when you are on an intuitive eating journey. Because something that is my biggest pet peeve with the intuitive eating community, I love everybody who is out there preaching this non-diet message because it is so important and it needs to be heard. But my pet peeve is that so often I see so much really great information that, again, is important and it needs to be heard, but we don't actually actually get actionable items or steps to take and apply that information to our actual daily lives. It is one thing to know the principles of intuitive eating, to know why it is important to relearn your cues, to establish a positive relationship with food. It's super important to know the why behind that, but if you don't know the how, or if you don't have the application and accountability to your actual day-to-day life and how the principles and the concepts translate there, then none of this information is actually going to be valuable in helping you to mend and repair your relationship with food. So my main point in today is to make a really tactical conversation about intuitive eating in the context of grocery shopping because it is something that we all have to do. We all have to get food into our humble abodes in some way, shape, or form. And if we don't know how to approach that in a way that aligns with the intuitive eating perspective, then it's going to be really hard to enable yourself to further and strengthen your intuitive eating journey every single day. Because if you don't have the tools there, if you don't have the building blocks, then you're going to be spinning your wheels throughout the entirety of your week. So the thing that I will say when we are getting into this conversation is kind of, it plays back into what I was talking about a moment ago in the Yours Truly Goal Slaying post. The fact of gentle nutrition. So towards the end of this podcast episode, when I am offering my specific three tips that I have for you on the on the topic of how to grocery shop in an intuitive eating way or in a way that supports intuitive eating, I'm going to bring a little bit of a gentle nutrition conversation into the podcast here. So it's not necessarily a warning by any means because I'm not going to be talking about nutrition in a very diety black and white way because you guys know that is not my MO. That is not what I do. But if you are in a spot with your intuitive eating journey where you are in the beginning stages where you're really trying to not focus on, as my client called it, the nitty gritty of nutrition, and you really want to focus on overcoming food rules, improving the relationship to food without having a lot of nutrition information in your brain. This is my open invitation for you to kindly pause the episode and maybe come back to this one at a later point when you are at a place in your journey where you are ready to receive nutrition information and not use it against yourself as a rule, as a diet, or anything like that. So that is my just general warning going into this conversation that we will be focusing a little bit more on the nutrition side of things than most of my podcasts do. So if you don't want to hear, you can leave now and come back later. And if you do want to hear, no matter where you are in your journey, rest assured that I will handle this conversation still from an intuitive eating and a gentle nutrition perspective. So 
Before we get to my three main tips of how grocery shopping can support your intuitive eating goals, I want to read you guys a couple of suggestions that I got from some of my followers, maybe some of you guys, if you follow me on Instagram and you interact, some suggestions about grocery shopping that I've received from a recent story that I uploaded. So this past Saturday, the theme of my story was grocery shopping, and it was a a little bit more outside of the box in the context of the conversation that we are having right now because... I was doing a lot of puns. Any of you guys who know me either personally, you work with me, we were friends in middle school, maybe you don't know me, but you just follow me on Instagram, you know that my pun game is, dare I say, super strong. So I went to Trader Joe's or my personal favorite grocery store on Saturday, and I took pictures as I went around the store, and I formulated the story for grocery shopping tips, but everything was framed through a food pun. So for example, I had a picture of spices, and it was like, spice things up. A picture of the wine, and it was like, don't whine if the line is too long. You know, all of these things that are kind of cringeworthy dad jokes, which is very fitting because it was just Father's Day, but that is how I do my daily life. Anywho, I digress, but I got to the end of this story and I posted a question box, which is a feature that I love on Instagram that it allows us to do because you guys can give me awesome suggestions just as I hope that I give you awesome suggestions. But I asked, what is your favorite grocery shopping tips? And I got a lot of responses because apparently you guys like to talk about grocery shopping, which is definitely why I chose to record this episode on grocery shopping. But some of these tips truth be known, I had never even thought of myself. So before we get into my personal three tips for you, I want to read out some of the most common responses that I did get. So maybe you can even enter into this conversation with a couple of ideas or suggestions that I never even could have thought to bring to the table. So the first one that I love is and I'm going to read them exactly as they were entered into the text box. So it says, and I quote, love me some pre-chopped veggies. So I am actually more likely to eat them. So this is a wonderful one. And it really will boil down to what types of foods your grocery store has available and what you have access to, what you prefer buying. Because yes, some of these pre-prepared or the pre-chopped variations will be more expensive. So that's going to be a personal choice for you. But if you're sitting here and saying, Claire, I buy fruits and vegetables every single week and they sit in the crisper pan and they go bad because I don't like to chop them, I forget about them, well, this then could be a really great tip for you to buy them in a way that is already pre-chopped, they are pre-prepared so that you don't have to do any extra effort to get them into your mouth so that you can enjoy them. So that is one that I loved. Another one, and I actually got two or three that were along this line, but it was craft your list in the order of how you will go through the aisles, which I do not know in all of my years on this planet and specifically studying nutrition and how many grocery shops or grocery store trips rather have I taken in my life I don't even know too many to count but I am so baffled that I have never come up with this idea and it is brilliant because if you think about it most grocery stores are organized in a similar way 
with the produce, the colder things being on the outside of the store, sometimes the bakery as well, and more of your canned goods, your rices, your beans, your starches, kind of in the middle aisle. So if you go to the same grocery store week after week, which I think most of us do, you have a pretty darn good idea of how things are laid out. So when you are sitting at home crafting your list or trying to think ahead as to what things need to go into your cart to come home with you, it could be a time saving and a, and a prioritization tip to say, okay, let me make my list in the order of how I go throughout the store. And if you're wondering, Claire, but do you have any tips on how to make my list? Yes, I do. I'm going to get to those here in a second, but structuring the list in that way, super valuable. Thank you to everyone who brought this to my attention because I am learning from you and I am going to start doing this. So another one, that I got a couple of responses on and I couldn't agree more was eat before you go. So this is a big, just intuitive eating tip in general. We don't necessarily want to be going anywhere hungry or hangry if we have the ability not to, if we have the resources not to, because I think we can all agree when we are hungry, we not only think about food more, but any food that we see is going to look about 10 times more enticing. So super fun fact about grocery stores. I was listening to a podcast last night on Trader Joe's. Fun fact, Planet Money. I can't remember what season or episode it is. One of my clients actually brought this episode to my attention, but it's on Trader Joe's. It is truly, or truly, should I say, fascinating on how the store works. But the person who was giving the podcast or the main narrator was saying that most grocery stores have between... 20 and 30,000 items in the store at one time. So we can only argue if we go on if we go into our grocery shopping experience on an empty stomach and 20 to 30,000 items are readily available at our fingertips, then it is going to be a lot harder to stay focused and on task with what we actually enjoy and what we actually need than it would be if we were to go into the experience feeling fueled and feeling energized and not like we have to eat every Thing in the store. Again, as I've talked about on past podcasts before, this isn't a lack of willpower if you're thinking that everything looks amazing when you're feeling hungry. It's really just your body's way of kicking into survival mode and looking out for you and saying, hey, you haven't fed me in a while. I'm feeling pretty hungry. Is food scarce now? Because if so, look at all of this food that is around. Let's eat it all right now. And I think we can both agree for the sake of the grocery store, for the sake of our pocketbooks, if anyone even uses the word pocketbooks anymore, I feel like I was like a hundred years old when I said that. But for the sake of both of these things, it would be best if we honored our hunger before we set foot in a store with twenty to thirty thousand food items. Anywho, I digress. The the last thing that I will say, and I'm just going to say this for all of the moms that may be listening to this podcast. I personally do not have children. I commend all of you women who, or women or men, anyone really, who go into the grocery stores and shop with your children with you. I was actually in a grocery store the other day and I was marveling at the families who had their kids with them while grocery shopping. And I was like, oh my goodness, grocery shopping in and of itself is a big and, you know, grandiose enough task that I can't even imagine what it would be like to do that 
in the presence of one to three to four to however many other beings. So I commend you if you do that. But one of uh, the moms who follows me, one of the amazing moms, she reached out and said, order them online and have them delivered so that you don't have to venture to the store with 10 to 15 additional limbs attached to your body. So if this is you, I personally have never tried any of the convenience like the click list, the order online, the deliver to your door. I personally have never tried that, but if you are in a position where you have that available to you and you don't necessarily love going to the grocery store, whether you have kids or not, maybe give it a little bit of a try because to me personally, I love going to the store. It's fun. It's an adventure. And you may feel the same way, in which case, go to the store. Allow it to be fun. Allow it to be your creative time. But if that's not something that you enjoy, that's totally okay. It is your right to not enjoy that. But we all need foods available to us so that we don't end up being hangry all the time, so that we are in the position to honor our hunger, and so that we can feel our best throughout the week. So that wraps up some of the the coolest messages and tips that I received from putting this out on social media. So if you are maybe listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that was my tip. I responded. Well, thank you so much for interacting with the story and for bringing some really cool tips to my attention as well. So that being said, I do have three tips of my own that really align with the message of intuitive eating and how you can use your grocery shopping trips to support your intuitive eating journey because it is kind of difficult when one of the main principles or the tips that I give people when they say, well, I want to eat more intuitively, how do I approach it? And what I say to them is, well, ask yourself when you are hungry, what is accessible to me and what sounds best? right now, which is a great tip in the moment. But I think we can all agree that when you ask yourself that question at Thursday, you know, on a, on a Thursday at 7 p.m., and you do your grocery shopping on a Sunday, well, it's really hard to know exactly what your answer on Thursday at 7 p.m. is going to be. So there is a way to incorporate some intuitive eating principles and mindset when you grocery shop so that you don't have to be fumbling around every Thursday at 7 p.m. or whatever time it's going to be to look for something that is satisfying because you can do a little bit of this work ahead of time if you have the right tools, the right mindset, and the right questions to ask yourself. So the first tip that I have for you around a grocery shopping methodology or approach that supports intuitive eating is to structure your list around your air quote, always good food. So we got our tip from our lovely Instagram follower about structuring the list based on how you go throughout the store. But I think the really important thing to ask yourself first is, well, what is even going on my list in the first place? And we could go about this conversation a lot of different ways, but I like to start off the conversation by asking, well, what are your always good foods? And I use this word in air quotes because this is a term or a phrase that I, I think I have coined. I think I have developed it. Maybe other people use this as well. 
But it is exactly what it sounds like. So your always good foods are the foods that no matter what, no matter when, you always end up enjoying them, you always feel good afterwards, and you always end up thanking yourself if you have them in the cabinet, in the fridge, in the pantry, wherever during your week. So I think a really important way to start out structuring your list is just asking yourself, what types of foods do I always enjoy on a weekly basis? Is it a snack food that I love? Is it a staple to my dinner that I always love? Is it a a sauce or maybe an oil that I cook things in? Just kind of ask yourself, what are the main ingredients or the staple items, the air quote, always good foods that I love having on hand? And how can I start my list out by making sure that those are on them. Because a big part about intuitive eating is setting yourself up for success when you ask yourself in the moment, well, what does sound good to me? What would I enjoy right now? Well, if you know nine times out of 10, you always enjoy a peanut butter and jelly, aka I'm talking to myself, then you best believe I am always going to start out my weekly list with the ingredients needed to craft that food. Because yes, Variety is important, and we will get to that here in a second, but I think we can all agree that we all have our favorites. We all have those foods that we fall back to and that are good no matter what, and it is going to be to your benefit and in your best interest if you can start out by ensuring that you are going to have those foods on hand. So the second tip that I have for you, we're kind of going to build up here. So you've started out your list. You have said, okay, what foods are always good to me? And you have those foods on the list. So now the second thing that I want you to do is to kind of connect the dots. Or we're going to add on to this list by asking yourself the simple question of what else do I need to add to this list to enable me to make meals and snacks that are physically fueling and energizing, but also mentally satisfying. Because again, I think we can agree that our always good foods are always going to be good. We are always going to enjoy them, but we probably need a little bit more available to us to put together meals that feel good physically and that feel good mentally. So I want to kind of break these two categories down. And we'll start off by talking, well, what does it take to make a physically fueling and energizing meal? And how do I make that in a way that is going to be mentally satisfying? So if you'll flash back to the beginning of this podcast episode where my client was talking about her journey with gentle nutrition and how we are getting to that, and I told you that a little bit later in the episode, the conversation of gentle nutrition was going to come back, well, this is where it is going to come in handy. So again, if you're at a point in your intuitive eating journey where you don't want to add on any gentle nutrition information yet, you can pause the episode and come back at a later point. But if you're like, Claire, give it to me. I want to learn more about gentle nutrition then stick with me here. So I like to describe gentle nutrition in a very simple way. I call it the triangle theory or the triangle analogy, meaning that if you visualize a triangle in your brain, if you flash back to kindergarten or pre-K or wherever you were taught these things, it has three points as well as an open spot in the center. So when we look at the science of gentle nutrition from a very broad perspective, I'm going to go really broad here. We can go more in depth with future podcasts 
podcast episodes. And with all of my individualized one-on-one clients, we do go more in depth on how this information translates to their own individual bodies. But when we look at gentle nutrition from a 20,000 foot view, we know and we recognize that just as a triangle has three points and three sides, all of our foods are also made up of a combination of three different macronutrients as well as water. And these three different macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. So unlike a lot of what diet culture rhetoric would teach us that really takes one of these groups and demonizes them or says you can't have them or you got to have it in air quote moderation or you have to watch how much you're eating of one of these things or heck, it may even make you feel guilty for including one of these categories. I like to first dispel any of that diet culture BS to tell you that your body needs all of these different nutrients in varying amounts. Your body needs things like carbohydrates because that is your body's preferred source of fuel and fast energy. That is your brain's preferred source of energy. When you eat something containing carbohydrates, whether it's brown rice, a cookie, a piece of fruit, our body breaks down these long chain carbohydrates into single sugar molecules called glucose. That is what your muscles and your body likes to use for fast fuel. And those glucose molecules are also one of the only molecules that can cross the blood brain barrier. Meaning that when you are hungry, when you can't focus, when you're saying, oh my goodness, why am I so distracted with thoughts of food? Well, your brain is hungry because it doesn't have enough of that glucose or that fuel from carbohydrates to keep you moving. So carbohydrates are super important for fast energy, for your muscles, for all your cells, and for your brain. Fats, for example, are really important for more sustained energy because foods that contain fats are more energy dense, meaning they have more calories. When we talk about what a calorie is, it is simply a unit of energy. So when something has more calories, all that that means is it has more energy to offer your body. So fats are important for longer term sustained energy. They also taste super amazing. They're important for brain function, for nerve cell function, for hormonal function. And proteins, for example, we're just doing all of these very briefly kind of 20,000 foot view. Proteins are also important for more of a sustained energy because it takes our body a little bit longer to break them down than carbohydrates, for example, but they're also important for all people, as my client said in her Yours Truly Goal Slaying post, but especially for those who are very physically active, who are using a lot of their energy, they're maybe lifting things, they're using a lot of their muscles, because protein is important for building, for rebuilding with all of the amino acid building blocks that it gives us, for rebuilding and repairing muscle tissue, for our skin, for healing wounds, for all of these things that we need to function as a human being and also as an active human being. So as you can see, all of these components, carbohydrates, fats, proteins, they are all needed and they are 
are all used in your body, and your body knows exactly what to do with them. So flashback a couple of moments ago when I said the triangle has three points, but it also has a big opening in the middle, which is where I funnel the conversation about all things vibrant and colorful of food. I throw fruits and vegetables into this category because fruits and vegetables not also not only offer the most water per most foods, so we get a lot of hydration from them, but they also offer a lot of micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, your phytonutrients, and fiber. And why do we all need fiber? Because yes, if you don't poop, you are not going to be a happy and a healthy human being. Fiber found in foods not only helps to feed the good bacteria found in our guts, which we need to flourish and be healthy as human beings, but it also helps to keep us regular because what goes into our system has to come out of our system. Yes, all of my clients will attest to the fact that when you work with a dietitian, you have to talk about bowel movements, you have to talk about poop because what goes in has to come out and what happens in between is really a window into your health. So before I get too carried away with the bowel movement conversation, because I got guys, I could talk about this for a long time. My purpose in equipping you with this triangle analogy is so that when you look at this list and you have your always good foods already there, well, you can ask yourself, well, what components of the triangle do I already have represented with my always good foods? And what parts of the triangle am I missing? So why the triangle is so important, and let me just say big caveat here, me giving anyone this tool to better visualize how food works in the body and why all of these macronutrients are important is by no means saying that everything you eat, that every meal, that every snack has to align with this analogy and with this theory because that is not at all true and that is not at all real life as much as we may like it to be. But why it is so important to talk about all three or technically four of these things, if we include fruits and veggies that have our fiber, it is so important to include all of them because when we can have different representations of foods that contain these nutrients, we get something that is physically fueling and energizing. Flashback to a couple of seconds ago when I said that something like proteins, for example, were digested a little bit more slowly than carbohydrates, well, put yourself in your own shoes or maybe in the shoes of someone who has ever had a snack or a meal that was predominantly carbohydrates. For example, a bag of pretzels. Now there is nothing wrong with eating a bag of pretzels, as you know. If that is is, is what is accessible to you, by all means eat the bag of pretzels because honoring your hunger comes before what I am about to say. But what we know from the science of gentle nutrition is that pretzels or carbohydrates that don't contain a lot of fiber are broken down fairly quickly and released into our bloodstream so that we get that fast energy that our muscles, our cells, and our brain really needs, which is amazing, which is why there's nothing wrong with having pretzels. But if we're talking about crafting something that is fueling and energizing for a longer period of time, then we need to include something else with it. So again, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with having a meal or a snack that is predominantly focused on one area of the triangle, but the more often 
you can include a balance of one to two to three to all of the factors found here in the triangle, the better you will be able to put something together that sustains you for longer than five minutes, which I think we can all agree that we enjoy eating. Eating is a pleasurable experience, but when we eat something, we don't necessarily want to be hungry five to 10 minutes after we eat the food. When we eat something, we want it to be enjoyable, but we also want it to be something that is going to last us and that our body can use for some sustained energy. And speaking of being something that is enjoyable, If you'll remember a couple of seconds ago, I told you to think about what else you need to add to the list to enable you to make snacks and meals that are physically filling and energizing, but also mentally satisfying. Well, I want to tackle a little bit of the, well, how the heck do I make a mentally satisfying meal or snack side of the conversation now? So we just talked about how to craft one that is physically satisfying, but we all know if you eat something to check off the boxes, to fill the numbers in my fitness pal, to satisfy your meal plan, which we wouldn't be doing on an intuitive eating journey anyways. But if you have been there, you can probably resonate and vibe with the fact that physical fullness and mental satisfaction are two entirely separate things. You can feel full, but you can still be obsessing over food if what you ate isn't what you actually wanted or isn't something that you actually enjoy. So it is the purpose and the goal of gentle nutrition to empower you with the knowledge to craft something that works for your physical body, but also do it in a way that you really stinking enjoy the food and it satisfies you mentally as well. So all that you need to do to make sure the things on your list are going to be physically and mentally satisfying is ask yourself once you or maybe even during the process of filling in the gaps from your always good foods with whatever else you need to include from that triangle discussion, make sure all of the foods that you put in that list are actually foods that you enjoy. So for example, if you're trying to think, well, maybe my always good foods has a couple of sources of carbohydrates, which is amazing. Check, got it. But I'm going through the triangle and I realize, oh my goodness, I don't have any sources of protein on my list. Well, if you hate pork, do not put pork on the list. If you hate tofu, don't put tofu on the list. Put something that you actually will enjoy. If you're like, man, veggie burgers are amazing and I love them, we'll put that on the list is your protein. If you're like, well, I really like chicken thighs because they're more flavorful than chicken breasts, but whenever I cook chicken breasts, they're super dang dry. Well, don't put chicken breast on the list or or maybe get a pre-prepared type of chicken breast. But moral of the story is when you are going through and putting together those items that will enable you to make something that is physically satisfying and energizing, don't put anything on that list because you feel like you have to or you are obligated to because the moment that you do that is the moment that your body kind of gets the memo, okay, I can't have what I want. He or she isn't trusting me entirely yet. So you really have to make that conscious effort to fill your list with things that you actually enjoy as well as the foods that make you feel good. And maybe some of those foods are the same foods. Maybe you can combine them in whatever way that seems suitable to you. So the last tip that I have for you 
in this structure of how to create a list. So first of all, you have filled out your always good foods, you're excited about it, you love them, and you can't wait to get those foods in your house. Then you have gone through and you have filled in the gaps saying, well, what else do I need to make this list? physically fueling, mentally satisfying. You've done that. And now I want you, the last thing to do is to look at your list and challenge yourself that if there is nothing new to you on that list, if everything is kind of mundane, if it is normal, challenge yourself to add one new thing to the list. And I say add it to the list, but maybe you won't necessarily know what this food is going to be until you get to the store. A couple of suggestions that I had on that Instagram post that I didn't read earlier was leave yourself some space and some room on the list for split second decisions of things that grab your attention, of things that look good, because even though it is important to have foods on your list that you know you always enjoy and that will provide good and satisfying meals for you, it's also important to spice things up because as they say, the all-knowing they, I don't know who they is, but I think you've probably heard the saying before that variety really is the spice of life. It is great to have those foods on hand that you are familiar with, but we don't want to get to a place in our intuitive eating journey or in our relationship with food, where we are bored, where we are feeling that food is just the same old, same old. So if this has ever happened to you, if this is happening to you currently, I challenge yourself to either put something new and exciting on the list that aligns with your budget, that aligns with your intentions, that aligns with what you enjoy or what you think that you enjoy, or leave yourself some time and space to get caught off guard in the grocery store to say, oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. I haven't had that food forever or maybe ever at all. I'm going to allow myself to try it this week. This is how grocery shopping becomes something that is exciting. It's fun. It's an expression of creativity. And as you start to create more positive associations between you and grocery shopping or you and food in general, the more your body will start to learn that food is something to be enjoyed. Food is something to look forward to. Food is something that will allow you to become the best version of yourself as long as we are not approaching it from this really rigid, negative, and strict mentality. So those are the tips that I have for you, my friends, on how to approach the topic of grocery shopping in a way that supports you eating intuitively. I could have done a whole nother episode on what to actually do with the food when you get it home from the grocery store because I have gotten so many questions on, well, can I meal prep if I'm eating intuitively? Does that go against intuitive eating? Does that support intuitive eating? And I will answer those questions, but I'm going to save that like post-grocery store trip advice or conversation for another episode so that I can, can get some water now. Because let me tell you, when I do these solo episodes, I love them. I like to bring the fire and the energy to the mic, but it is also super tiring not to have anyone to break up the conversation with. So my friends, that is all I have to say. 
about the how-to of grocery shopping while you are on an intuitive eating journey. But as always, if you got any piece of value, any tidbit of value from this episode, and you think that other people could benefit from hearing either this conversation or other conversations that we have had. I say we, like you and I, yes, we are talking here on the podcast, but like we have had on this podcast, please do not hesitate to help share the podcast by not only tapping those five stars and leaving a rating and also a review because that is how iTunes and how the other podcast platforms elevate our message and share it with other people. So please take some time if you have it, leave a rating and a review. And as always, whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on right now, I challenge you to take a screenshot of the episode, upload it to whatever social media feed you enjoy, tag me, let me know what you learned so that other people can start to hear this message of not only intuitive eating, but also the message of gentle nutrition that we focused on today. So without further ado, like, love, share the podcast. I am so truly grateful that you have come and listened to all the episodes so far. Let me know if there's anything that you want me to cover on the podcast because I am always more than open to suggestions. But without further ado, until next week, yours truly, Claire.